you must be curiously watching the political joust over a Harvard paper on the decline of the Congress. First, it was Rahul Gandhi who said that there should be a case study on Adani by business schools such as Harvard on the relationship between business and politics. Prime Minister Nain Modi uh, hit back a day later, pointing out that in the past, an important study was undertaken at Harvard. It was titled The Rise and Decline of India's Congress Party. This episode of Politically Correct is about who should learn what from the Harvard paper. As you might have sensed from the headline, I think there is more for the BJP to learn from it. Let me share with you a conversation I had uh, last weekend. On weekends when, when I'm, I'm relatively free, there is usually a family outing. But if I'm at home, I tend to call up people randomly. I made uh, one such call to Kripal Pramar on Saturday. Remember Kripal Pramar? He was the rebel BJP candidate in the Himachal Pradesh election who got that famous call from Prime Minister Modi to sit out. He refused and ended up with 2811 votes in Fatehpur Assembly constituency. I have been wondering who these 2800 odd voters might be. Modi baiters, Nadda haters or those who felt disenchanted with the BJP but wouldn't want to vote for the Congress either. I don't know. My guess is as good as yours. Kripal Parmar had told PM Modi that BJP President JP Nadda had insulted him for years. Parmar and Nadda uh, went back a long way. They were in the same section in their LLB class at Himachal Pradesh University and stayed in adjacent rooms in the New Boys Hostel in Shimla. Both were in the AVVP. In fact, in 1983, Parmar, Nadda and 3-4 other AVVP activists they had taken over the university's I mean, vice chancellor's office when he had gone home for lunch. They uh, dismissed the uh, VC and notified, quote unquote, of course, the appointment of Nadda as the new vice chancellor, Parmar as the registrar, and another AVP co colleague as the controller of examinations. You know, they were kind of, they had gotten hold of the entire office. And then actually they forced their staff to write all those so-called appointment letters. And that's how it happened. You know, these things happen in, in university politics. So they notified all these appointments. Of course, they were running for life in Shimla jungles a few hours later when the police came. The notification appointing Nadda as the VC was signed by Kripal Parmar. I'm telling you this long story just to show how bitter it becomes when old friends fall out. 40 years later, Parmar is an expelled BJP leader with all the time in the world to narrate his blasts from the past to me. Nadda has been given an extension as the party's national president till uh, the 2024 Lok Sabha election. By the way, Parmar and his family voted for the BJP while he was contesting as a rebel BJP candidate in Fatehpur. They voted in the neighboring Noorpur constituency where they were registered as voters. Parmar then told me, I'll vote for Modi ji in 2024 too. My problem was with Nadda. When I told him, look, Nadda has been given an extension even after the BJP's defeat on his home turf. Parmar snapped. Modi ji doesn't need anyone's support. I mean, he is more than a match for everyone, everybody else. Basically, what Parmar was suggesting was that it did not matter who the BJP president was. Modi can win single-handedly. Parmar wasn't making any revelations. One survey after another has shown the common voters unwavering faith in Prime Minister Modi. 
I chose to call up Pamar for a chat because I thought the expelled BJP leader might have something new, something different to say, given how he was so upset with the party leadership that he did not pay heed to even to the Prime Minister. And here, here he was preparing to vote for Prime Minister Modi in 2024. That should explain why I decided to narrate this long conversation with Pamar. Prime Minister Modi was not boasting when he declared in the Raj Sabha on, on the 9th of February, Desh dekh raha hai, ek akela kitno par pad raha hai. The nation is walking, watching how one person is uh, more than a match for all these people, basically the opposition parties, I mean, he was pointing at. He has known it and said it all along. Way back in 2015, he told British author Lance Price that he had heard vociferous uh, demands for a quote-unquote trusted name, not a party name. And that the people believed Modi was the only hope. That brings me to an interesting question. Does Modi need the BJP to become the Prime Minister? To answer this, let me toss up a different question. If Modi had joined the Congress and become its Prime Ministerial candidate into 2019 Lok Sabha election, would he still become the PM? My answer, yes, absolutely. What if he had become the CPIM face in 2019? I had the same answer again. Yes, absolutely. I would, however, like to put a caveat here that it could be with a slightly reduced majority. What I'm driving at here is that Prime Minister Narendra Modi does not owe his position or popularity to any party. As he says. By saying this, am I undermining the BJP's organizational strength here? Not really. If Modi were to join the Congress or the CPIM, those parties would have also become electoral juggernauts overnight with their own versions of Booth Adhyaksh, Panna Pramukh, Vistadaks or whatever. If they had Modi, they would also have discovered an Amit Shah of their own sooner than later. So am I undermining the RSS here? Again, not really. Few can doubt the RSS's you know, uh, deep influence even in the farthest corners of the country. Just that its Pracharaks and Swam Sevaks on the ground would go with Modi wherever he went. And of course, I'm talking hypothetically, so you don't have to take it seriously. BJP MPs were, I'm talking about the parliament proceedings, uh, BJP MPs were justifiably thrilled when Modi spoke those words in the Rasava, Ek Akela Sappar Bhari. They thumped their desks vigorously as Modi, Modi chants reverberated in the house. There were similar scenes in the Lok Sabha a day later, on the 8th of, uh, a day earlier, on the 8th of February, when Prime Minister Modi spoke about the Harvard Business School paper on the Congress's decline. It's not a research paper based on primary materials. It's essentially a case developed from published materials for a classroom discussion. But for Prime Minister Modi's reference to it in Parliament, it would have remained just a piece of study material for undergrad or graduate students in universities. The paper gives no insight into Congress leaders today who are clueless about how to counter Modi's personality cult. The Harvard study material ends at the turn of the 21st century and has no reference whatsoever to the Modi phenomenon in, in Indian politics. That's where I'm coming back to our headline. This Harvard paper may be more useful to the BJP. It may refresh their memory 
of how the Congress Party's decline started. Please bear with me as a quote from the Harvard paper about the Nehruvian times. It says, quote, and I have it right in front of me, I can see it from here. Quote, the Congress Party played an essential part in everyday governance. A managerial class at the top of the party made decisions via consensus. Intra-party democracy allowed for alternation in leadership. Party members who rose up the ranks challenged those at the top. Congress leaders were concerned above all else with winning elections. They did whatever was necessary to adapt to local power structures across India. The party accommodated factions, castes, linguistic groups and economic interests. The politics of patronage, that is distribution of benefits in exchange for votes, was at the heart of Congress party rule. Embedded in institutions of caste and kin, Congress relied on local linkmen to reach voters." Unquote. If this long quote is distracting, please rewind it and hear each of these sentences carefully. It reminds you of today's BJP, doesn't it? Referring to how Indira Gandhi challenged institutional processes within the Congress, the paper says, In the past practice, party organizations were consulted in the selection of electoral candidates on their allegiance to her. That is Indira Gandhi. She consulted a small clique of advisors. Congress party norms of consultations deteriorated. Public institutions, the civil service and even courts were compromised. The Gandhi family's concentration of power led to party splits. Given the limited supply of licenses, politically entrenched firms reaped major profits. After the imposition of emergency, the political opposition, Indira Gandhi declared, threatened not only Indian democracy, but India's very integrity. She attempted to push through a raft of constitutional amendments, including a clause that weakened judicial review of central government policies." Unquote. After returning to power in 1980, the paper says, she, quote, uh, tried to persuade Hindus that she would protect them against fundamentalist minorities, unquote. Think of these lines again. I mean, again, it's too long. It, they may be boring, but you can just rewind it and hear them again. I mean, do they remind you of what's happening in contemporary politics, especially in the context of the BJP and the government? If you remove the Nehru family part, much of what you witness today is a reminder of what was happening in the last four decades after independence, when the Congress held sway over India's political landscape, except for a short interval, of course, between 1977 and 1980. And that's what the paper is talking about. The Howard paper is not about when the Congress finally lost its numeral UNO status in Indian politics. It's about how it looked like when it was at the top and how its decline started. That's where the Howard paper should be an essential reading material for BJP leaders today, not as a fresh insight, but as a reminder. PM Modi does look invincible today, but the BJP today is increasingly looking like Indira Gandhi's Congress in, in terms of personality cult-driven politics, domination of cliques, high command decision-making process, and psychophantic culture.
the discs thumping and modi modi chanting brigade seemed to draw inspiration from dk barua who had coined indira is india indira is indira slogan they should however also know that pm modi is the guru of indian politics today he more than anyone else would remember how barua had abandoned indira gandhi after she was voted out of power that's all from me in this episode of politically correct thanks for watching